You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Random Fit with myself, Wendy Batts, and co-host and friend, Ken Miller. Ken, how are things? Things are good, Wendy. How are you? <laughs> things are good over here as well. So it's great to see you as always. And today's topic, we are going to cover the differences between contact and non-contact injuries. And then we're also going to talk about what ends up happening. What are the most common injuries that happen between the, the two? And then are there some preventative ways maybe to help somebody, especially on the non-contact side? Contact's a little bit you know, that's hit or miss. <laughs> I don't think you can really avoid that. But uh, this should be a good one. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm looking forward to what you have to say, Ken. Well, I when I when I thought about this topic, and, and you and I went back and forth on this with, I mean, especially with you and your background and, and how you do your uh, personal training and your manual therapy. Um, thinking about the, the clients that I've worked with from an injury standpoint, um, more often than not, I'll tend to get kids, you know, and junior high, high school kids that have come to me because of just nagging stuff. One comes to mind, she was playing soccer and softball and soccer contact in that sport, softball, not so much, but overall she just had this thing where she couldn't complete either season because of just nagging just repetitive motion injury. So from my perspective, this, this, even though we're talking about non-contact versus that's not versus and uh, contact, most of who I see, it's, it's, it's mostly non-contact issues that bring people to me and who I actually work with. And, you know, you can, you can address them to a certain degree, but it's the contact. Those are the ones you hear about. You don't hear about the little stuff that might take somebody out or limit minutes or affect how they practice or how they play. So I think uh, with this episode, hopefully we'll shed some light on contact versus non-contact, especially it's because the contact gets all the, 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 the newsworthiness, but the non-contact, which happens more often, we don't hear enough about. Well, and I think it's, let's look at statistics and on the research and everything that I looked at, one of the ones that stood out the most was it was stated that there's approximately 70% of the injuries that are occurring, especially when you're thinking about ACL injuries. So some issue at the knee, 70% of these um, issues at the knee, which is obviously that is a very common area to be injured, both contact or non-contact. 70% of the injuries are non-contact and are usually occurring when that athlete is stopping or changing direction or doing something fast and their body does not know how to absorb the forces or that rotational motion. Um, Can you and I speak a lot about, especially when we teach for NASM, most injuries occur and it it doesn't matter. We're talking more non-contact injury. And when we, just to define non-contact injury, it's an injury where no one's around you. No one's coming and giving you a blow at the knee. You, you know, it wasn't anything. There was no one that surrounded you, but an injury occurred because of a movement that you did. And so if we think about that and we think about when most injuries occur, it's when somebody is planted and they're rotating and they're like decelerating. So, for example, if you drop your keys on the floor and you turn around to go and grab them because they went in a different direction and you pivot, go down and try to grab them and you blow your knee. 
that's an example of one of the most common ways to injure your knee. And you didn't do anything besides try to go and grab your keys. And that's on individuals that aren't high level athletes. Think about what's happening when someone's on the court or the field. And it just, when I looked at that statistic, I was like, man, 70% non-contact. That's a lot, Ken. Yeah. Well, I had, I have a, <laughs> a, a close friend. I don't mean to laugh at injuries, but I have a friend of mine who uh, played competitive soccer, travel soccer um, in high school, um, had an ACL tear there in high school, didn't play. And then he tore his ACL a second time as, uh, as a, as an office worker, right? He's a, he's a professional in the engineering field. And I think he was just stopping, turning, uh, like, as you mentioned, he's, he was decelerating, he was rotating and he was changing directions again in the office and not like anybody like, you know, took a shoulder to his knee or anything, but he tore his ACL again. So, I mean, it was brutal to see it happen, but you had one contact, one non-contact, same, same knee, same injury, but different mechanisms. So. Yeah, and I think it's important we're talking as well about the knee and we're saying ACL. I mean, we're talking about the anterior cruciate ligament. So ACL is what we call it. That's, you know, we obviously don't talk too much about its technical name. We just abbreviate it for that reason. And that ligament, guys, is super, super important because that's what's responsible for connecting basically your thigh and your shin. And so when somebody blows that ligament or it tears or it ruptures or whatever happens to that one particular ligament alone, it can be very detrimental and it wouldn't necessarily be career ending until you start talking about rupturing all of them. And then that is obviously a completely different thing because we will talk to about someone in particular that that happened to. And unfortunately it was shown over and over and it's very gruesome yeah. when that does happen. But there are some people that go and surgically get it fixed. And then there's some that choose not to. And, you know, that's right. completely up to you but you're going to be very unstable <laughs> if you choose not to. But there are some people that choose not to have surgery on it, which to me, if, if it, it's a simple process these days, used to be a big deal. Now people can go in, scope it, fix it, and you're out and back on the field within, you know, no time. Yeah. So I know we're, we're picking on the knee a little bit, which it's an easy joint to pick on because it takes so much. Wendy, have you seen like the the effects or the scars from somebody who's had an ACL surgery mm -hmm. 10, 15 years ago? Oh, yes. Oh, it looks like they had a total knee now. Yeah. You know, so when yeah. you look at the differences in the total knee, it was like this huge gash over the kneecap um, yeah. when they did the ACL, which now we'll see that in a total knee. So you'll know someone had a total knee done if it was recent. But back in the day, I mean, it was it was a pretty big scar that unfortunately we had to try to rub on to make sure that the scar tissue didn't lock down the patella and everything else around it. And now it's just these little dots. <laughs> yeah. You get what? Three, three dots, right? Mm -hmm. One yep. for the, one for the scope, one for the light and the other for. It's amazing. Yeah, the technology it's can be, it yeah. can be your best friend or it can be a nightmare depending on how you want to look at it and how you're using it. So I think, I think that's important too, when we're talking about, you know, today we're talking about the differences of non-contact and contact injuries, especially in sport. But Marty Miller and I do this master instructor roundtable, which is another podcast. So here's my plug for that. But Marty and I always say that sports are not something that are good for you. It's something that is fun for you. You know, physically, it's really good for your heart to get your heart rate elevated, to get yourself moving and get yourself, you know, being active in the community and doing those things. 
However, the wear and tear that it does put on your body is a lot. And so think about the repetitive motions that you do in your job or at work, whether even if it's just sitting, that's a repetitive motion because you're just in a seated position and those muscles have to stay in a shortened position. I shouldn't say repeating, but it's, it's a chronic state that these muscles get in. And then if you go and do something over and over again, the wear and tear on your body without proper alignment can lead very quickly to these non-contact injuries, whether it's just activities of daily living or out on a field playing soccer with your, with your kid. Yeah. And, and again, the, the, the thing about the motions and repetitive motions is that it's basically the same sequencing of muscles that are being used, like say throwing. So if I'm a right-handed thrower, it's going to be that constant left foot step, rotate through the trunk. Hopefully you're getting good rotation through the hips and the trunk. And then that, that same right arm, same right shoulder, it has to go through the same motion. Well, the thing is, if you get really good, if you do one thing a lot, you get really good at it, which makes you not so good at doing other things, which means now if I were to throw with my left hand, I'm not going to be as synchronized, not going to be as coordinated. If I need to move now, uh, flexing left and right, or even bending forward, I'm going to have some biases. So for if you're if you're a strength conditioning coach or personal trainer who works with golfers, you're going to see that perpetual right to left rotation, maybe even a little a, a depression of the right shoulder, and you might see complementing movement or rotation at the hips. But it's not just that you're doing that during your sport. You're actually you're going to carry that same posture and movement sequence bias towards other things that you do, whether you're putting dishes away, picking things up. You're going to carry that same right to left. Again, not as much as you would on the golf course, but you still have that little bit of rotation that you're going to carry with you um, whenever it comes to doing everything else. So as we're here on the Random Fit with both my co-host Wendy Batts and myself, Ken Miller, we are talking about contact and non-contact sports injuries. So just to list off some 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 non-contact sports, just for clarification, as you said, Wendy, no one's touching you, no one's no one's hitting you, no one's you know pushing you across the field. But we're talking swimming, golf, as we just mentioned, tennis. Yes, even in doubles, there's no. There's no contact there. Badminton, table tennis, uh, track and field. Again, that running motion, uh, cycling, um, rowing and archery. So these are just some examples of non-contact sports where um, as I look through this list outside of table tennis, I've and I've, I've had my, you know, <laughs> couple badminton players that have kind of because of, you know, either low back or shoulder issues. But I've, I can honestly say I've worked with somebody <laughs> in each of these eight or nine that I've listed out for you. So from a repetitive <laughs> standpoint, you know, again, if you're operating at high enough level, you're doing a lot of reps. So overuse situations that contribute to injury as a non-contact sport, um, you know, can sometimes be enough to aggravate you and take you away from operating at that high level that you could be operating at. Well, it's funny that you say that because table tennis, and I know people do call it table tennis. I also would look at it as ping pong and I ping can't pong. say that I've worked with anyone playing ping pong professionally, but I know a lot of beer pongers out there. So, you know, <laughs> depending on the age group that you're working with or the uh, type of population, that could still be a, be a thing, especially a weekend activity, if you will. But that leads to what, when we talk about repetitive movement, guys, we really want to think about some of the injuries. I mean, we talked about 
ACLs, that's being very common for somebody. But, you know, the most, I would say that what I've read and, and the research that, that I found was the most common non-contact uh, injuries were really sprains and strains. And just for clarity, um, sprains are the stretching or tearing of ligaments while the strains are more affecting the muscles and the tendons. And these, of course, again, it's a sudden movement. It's excess force to, to something or overuse. So when we keep talking about that repetitive motion, we're really looking at strains and, and um, sprains specifically uh, with non-contact injuries. Of course, tendonitis, we always hear people say, I've got tendonitis. It's very common for some of my clients, especially the golfers and the tennis players or people that are having, you know, the overhead motion, if you will. Um, when we talk about tendonitis, of course, an itis means inflammation. So we're talking usually inflammation of the tendon, hence its name. And of course, that can also be because of strains and stresses and repetitive motion. So if this all starts to sound like you start thinking about what you're doing and making sure that your body's aligned. And then, of course, stress fractures. You see that commonly in runners or gymnastics when all the the or the uh, continuous movement and motion and compression done. So those are just little tiny cracks in the bones. And then of course, shin splints and shin splints. I know Ken, you and I, those will probably be the death of us as a trainer because people right. come in all the time, especially if they're runners and they say, Oh my goodness, my shins are killing me. And I, I get it a lot in basketball players who are lacking range oh, yeah. of motion in their ankle or their big toe. Um, but you know, of course, again, that's inflammation of the muscles that, and the tendons that are basically on the, the shin, you know, the shin bone, if you will, or basically surrounding the tibia, if we want to get more technical. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of the, you know, strain sprains, the itises, um, especially like stress issues, all, all the things that you mentioned, Wendy, uh, can be addressed. I mean, it's all addressable. One, I think one part, especially when it comes to youth sports the the aspect of changing sports during the seasons you know like when you and i were growing up wendy how often did you know somebody that did a year-round sport right you had swimming was one of the original year-round sport right but now you have lacrosse that's year-round uh you know baseball my my son's playing fall ball now and you know just when i was growing up it was football in the fall wrestling in the winter and then track and field and baseball in the spring Right. So there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to have overuse injuries because as soon as, you know, as soon as the season was over, what, three, four months later, you're doing something else. You're doing a different motion. Right. Which now you're, you're switching the amount of load or stress that's on the body. So that's one thing I would encourage. And I know you and I have talked about that more than a few times on previous podcasts as far as how to prevent these overuse situations now with kids keep them as diverse as as diverse and for as long as possible and then when it's time you know if scholarships or colleges are starting to look at them for a certain sport then you can decide later on but keep them athletic keep the movement varied keep the stresses different and that way you you know you're doing your part as far as offsetting those overuse injuries especially for the non-contact sports contact that's a different story Right. And, and I think it's also important to stress, and I know you get this, Ken, because this is the first question. As soon as somebody comes to me and we, you know, they have had some strain, stress, injury, itis, it's always like, well, how long until this is better? 
what can you do? You know, what, what am I looking at here? Because everyone wants instant gratification, right? Like we're supposed to be these healers. And I do think I have healing hands. I, I I'll give myself credit that I, awesome. I really try to say, I'm here to help you move better, feel better, perform better. However, if there is an injury and it has been documented and we're looking at the ligaments and the tendons on average, and this is again, on average, because every individual is different. Every body's going to recover recovered differently. Obviously, nutrition and supplementation and water intake, rest, all the things that we talk about on the recovery standpoint is going to play a crucial role. But on average, they were saying that typically the nerves are the longest and those take anywhere from three to four months. So if you start to feel some tingling or something like that, that's usually nerve related. So you've got to give yourself some three, three to four months, but then also working on is what's impinging that nerve. That's going to be important. Cartilage takes about 12 weeks. Ligaments take 10 to 12 weeks and bones take anywhere from six to eight to heal. So again, with proper working with your, your therapist, manual therapist, your physical therapist, and really working on better alignment and reducing the repetitive movements, you've got to give yourself time and nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants to do the time part. Right. Well, you know, and that, that and, What's really beautiful about what you just said there, Wendy, was the fact that you gave time ranges. Well, first of all, let the medical professional be the one to, to say all that. If, you're, if, you're, if your scope of practice is more on the fitness and personal training side, nah, the, everybody's, everybody is different. Um, but I think another part of that equation, Wendy, when you say those time frames, it's also if you have uh, physical therapy exercises that need to be done. Um, compliance will affect how fast or how slow your recovery process is. Your own, I mean, stuff like nutrition and sleep that that is immeasurable, right? So if you're if you're consuming alcohol and you or you're doing things that um, contribute to inflammation, that's going to affect um, the recovery process. Um, sleep, rest. If you're constantly working off of short sleep four and a half hours or less versus uh, six hours or more. The research supports that the more you sleep, the better rest you get, the, the better the recovery uh, is going to be. So the amount of sleep, the time and attention you spend to that, but also just doing what the doctor orders, especially if you're coming from, a, uh, a, from the medical side. So you've had the referral from the physical therapist, from the doctor, and you're doing what they actually tell you to do and you're compliant with it. That's going to be, um, those are big factors when it comes to how you, your timeline is going to be. You can, you can go on the longer side or you can go on the shorter side of recovery, but all of that is going to be based on your compliance and, you know, take the rest, do the exercises, but be patient. Well, and we've spent a lot of time talking about non-contact injuries because these are the easiest to avoid, in my personal opinion, and based on what we've read. But we don't want to obviously leave out the important one of contact injuries. So, of course, when you think about contact injuries, those are basically what it is. Somebody has run into you. So body to body contact, stick you know, if you're playing lacrosse or hockey, contact with a stick or contact with some sort of equipment that caused you to have a direct blow in a certain area. So when we're looking at what are some of the common 
issues that you have, obviously the knee being a big one, because if, you know, your body's going one way and someone takes out your knee and it goes a different direction, that's a problem. We've seen people to grab ankles and cause, you know, some kind of ankle issue, whether it's a, a full blown Achilles blown, it could be something as easy as a sprain, strain, something like that too, because of the twisting motion of someone holding it and your body going a different direction fraction or fractures, I'm sorry, dislocation. Think about when you're a lineman and you're going in and a, a pad hits you wrong and you're going against some other lineman that weighs a significant amount of weight and they've got a lot of pressure coming to your to your um, shoulder capsule, which you and I've talked about is the most shallow ball and socket area of your, like in your body. Uh, contusions, concussions. I mean, all of this stuff, guys, is super, super important and happens often with contact injuries. And you have to think too, that if you have a contact injury, unfortunately, from what I've read, these are generally, and I have to say generally, because it's not always, there's never anything that's going to be matter of fact, but they do have a, a higher frequency of reoccurrence. Once you injure that area once and something again, hits you in that same place, it unfortunately um, becomes an issue more frequently than not. Yeah, and unless there's intervention, right? Unless there's intervention. Intervention? What? <laughs> yeah, but you know, and that and that's the thing. If you're, if you, let's say, if you if you play American football again, in in respect for those our international listeners, so if we're playing football American, and you're playing the right side of the offensive line, so you the force is going to typically come at you from the same direction each and every time. So unless you're really good enough to go both on the right and the left side and switch positions. Um, you know, there's little you can do about how you're going to address, address the, um, the direct, the, the vector of force that's coming at you. So if that's going to happen over and over and over and over and over again, especially if that matches your style of play, your body, your body's biases. Yeah. You're, your body is going to experience the same forces repetitively, which is not doing it any favors, especially when you're talking about, especially again, in, in uh, American football, you're talking about a 16 week season where every week in practice and competition, that's not a whole lot of time to rest. You know, you throw in a bye week but then if you go into the postseason play, um, that's even more. So that aspect of recurrence of injury. Yeah. I mean, you play the same position, same way, same style. Um, yeah, you're putting yourself in the same situations over and over and over again. Well, and, and as a parent, I am going to say this because this conversation actually happened yesterday. I have a cousin of mine. Her her son is playing college football. He's doing exceptionally well. He has a torn labrum on his shoulder. He was on the left side. He's a left guard. and And so for their rehab, they haven't yet done anything, any really physical therapy. They're like saying, let's see what happens with the torn labrum in the shoulder. And then they decided to let him rest for a week. So one week played no football for one week. And the solution is, is now they're moving him to the right side. So he doesn't take quite the blow. So I think as a parent, it's also important to, to talk to the coaches if there is a contact injury, find out what is the med staff going to do with this to help, you know, strengthen the area. Because again, some of the ways to avoid, you know, further damage to anything is what is the protective gear? What is, like you said, what is the corrective program? What are they doing to strengthen some of the muscles that have now become weak? And then of course, you know, 
thinking about long term, what are you doing to minimize the impact? And also to, like you said, changing positions, if that's the case, you know, maybe that is the right move. But again, I think they're missing a few steps that are also very important along the way to make sure the other side isn't impacted. And today on Random Fit, myself, Wendy Batson, and Ken Miller are talking about the importance and the differences really of contact injuries versus non-contact injuries. We are talking really more in sports. However, this can happen in daily activities. So life is a sport, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But so with, with all that being said, I mean, the, the one thing, and it's something I have to tell parents and, and, you know, when I'm working with the kids or just anybody who's, who's trying to stay healthy is just, you can't predict, you know, whether it's contact or not. If it's a contact, you know, if you're playing a contact sport, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's the game you play and it's, it's a part of the equation. And so if it happens, you can't be surprised. But the other part of it is, is the fact that you, you can't predict how it's going to happen. You can have a, a really good week where you don't feel anything the day after, and you could do the same exact thing and your, your back is bothering you. And I see that a lot with golfers, right? So you can't predict it, it you know, when and where and the intensity, um, but you can try to address some of the, uh, I guess, the performance inhibitors that take away from moving more efficiently, uh, putting the body in the best position possible to recover and heal. And, and that's that's part of the conversation as far as, OK, what's it take to avoid injury, you know, quote unquote, avoid? And what does it take to get over an injury? And it's just the body wants to heal. Right. The body wants to be better. You just have to give it the tools and the opportunity to do so. So like what you're saying, Wendy, with with um, your football player, giving that, say, that that pattern of doing what he's doing on the left side, um, giving that pattern a break by giving him a different force from the right side. I mean, force is force, but at least it's coming from a different direction. And it, hopefully it's introducing less stress and giving that left sided pattern an opportunity to, to recover. So, I mean, there, there's that part of the conversation, but the other part of it is, you know, when it, when it comes to the, the preventative measures and steps that you can take is to have good form, have good technique. Hopefully if you're playing a, a contact sport, you're, you're under the guidance and under the watchful eye of a good position coach to where they're telling you what to do um, in your best interest. Right. So it's like when you tackle, you don't tackle what you can't see, meaning you don't drop your head. You're not looking at the ground as you're trying to grab somebody, but you're seeing who you're tackling and you're keeping your head and your neck and your and your spine in the best position possible. So hopefully good technique on the field. But, you know, as, as far as what you and I do mostly, Wendy, in the in the weight room, in the health club, in the in the gym, it's exercising under resistance putting your body in the best position possible. So you're not excessively putting forces in, in areas that they're not supposed to be. If I want to do a push motion, I'm using my chest, shoulders and triceps just to be basic about it, but I'm not doing it in such a way that I'm going to use my upper traps. I'm not going to disengage the muscles I want. I'm not going to engage muscles. I don't want, I'm not going to compensate. So proper form and technique um, and using what you want to use when you want to use it is is one important part of of the prevention side of contact and non-contact injuries. Yeah. And and if you guys, too, when you think about a contact sport such, such as all the ones that we listed, I mean, the typical ones, obviously soccer, 
lacrosse, football, hockey. Those are ones that there's a lot of collisions, crashes. People are running into each other, changing directions very, very quickly. A lot of this can be avoided, like you said. One of the things if you have you know, had issues with your ankle and you're commonly straining and stressing and, and doing things with your ankle and rolling it very quickly, preventative exercises such as balance work, things that we think would be easy, those muscles really need to work within itself in order to strengthen and stabilize, especially the arch of the foot, making sure you've got good alignment. So think about, you know, doing balance work, really focus on outer hip strength, really focus on glute strength, making sure the knee is always lined up over the second, third toe position wise, meaning that it's not caving in or going too far out. Um, you know, having someone look at you, your body and being assessed, working with your coaches. If you are in a sport, don't necessarily bring that sport into the gym. Do the opposing, you know, work on the opposing muscles to get your body to maintain proper alignment. Because if you guys have ever really seen a an injury happen where a gruesome injury from a non-contact, you know, where it's a contact sport, but maybe they were doing something and they had something happen when no one was around. It's, it can be career ending, but it can be absolutely devastating, not only to the athlete, but everyone that surrounded it and or saw it. And, you know, there's one Sean Livingston or Livingston, oh geez, I can't even say it, but Sean Livingston, geez. Um, in 2007, he actually went down. He stole the ball. He was going up for a layup. No one was around him. And when he came down, I mean, yeah. Ken, I don't know. I mean, they actually have warnings if you ever go to see that video yeah. because he's, he tore his ACL, his PCL, his meniscus. He dislocated his kneecap. He broke his, he broke his leg bone. I mean, it was an absolute disaster. Yeah. And then, you know, looking at, at his rehab and all that he did, I mean, he's actually stated in multiple articles, it's taken him at least seven years for him to feel like very comfortable playing on it. I mean, he did play until 2019, which good for him, but I yeah. mean, even just seeing him come back, it was, it was this, the scariest thing I've ever seen, um, especially in basketball or the worst injury I've ever seen personally yeah. in basketball. Yeah. And you see that all the time, basketball, football, football, even though it's a contact sport, a lot of injuries happening, non-contact. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of things happening. I mean, again, it's talking about tissue overload, doing more, putting more force on the body and what the body's capable of handling. And that's where a lot, basically what it comes down to. But overall, I think, I think one, one last point when it comes to this, uh, when it comes to contact and non-contact injuries is the fact that um, a lot of times, by the time somebody comes to me even, or, or even when they've gone to the physical therapist or the doctor, they say, yeah, I've been, I've been dealing with this for a month and a half, two months. Wendy, how many times have you heard that? Like, you've actually been living with this at this intensity for that long, and now you're doing... So when it comes to addressing these issues, you know, contact or non-contact, go to your medical professional if it's something that hasn't resolved within you know, four or five days or even getting worse in in a shorter amount of time, go see somebody about it because it's it's hard to get you better when you're progressively getting worse or it's obvious that what you're trying to do right now isn't working. Ibuprofen will only go so far. Rest and sleep and ice will only go so far. But, you know, sometimes you just need to get somebody to officially, well, not sometimes, you need to get it officially diagnosed. Uh, whether it's a strain or a sprain, or if it's stress fracture, whatever the situation may be, but take care of the issue, 
take the proper steps and follow the advice of the medical professional and then get it resolved sooner than later, you know, because you don't want things to get worse or even compensate into another area of the body, which isn't, it's only going to prolong the process and, and give you more to do on top of everything else. Right. So, well, Ken, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge on contact versus non-contact yeah. injuries. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, anything to keep you active and keep, you as a listener out there. So if you're playing, keep playing. Just take care of business when business needs to be taken care of. So Wendy, thanks again. I've always taken a lot of good points away from you um, on these episodes of Random Fit. So for those of you that are listening to us here, both Wendy Batts and I, Ken Miller on Random Fit, thank you so much for being a part of our audience. And if there's anything you want us to talk about, address regarding fitness, however random it may be, let us know. <laughs> comment like follow subscribe rate us um but more importantly share and um we'll do what we can to get that information out there to you guys so until next time everybody take care and be well 